Just a reminder, too, that uh, if you did not come prepared to give for Holiday Harvest, you can certainly do it online or in person uh, throughout the week. And uh, I, would, I would encourage everyone to go to the website and go to that little window that will take you to all the information on Holiday Harvest and find the ways that you can bless people in this community over the next couple of weeks. Uh, this is the second to last message on the fruit of the Spirit out of Galatians chapter 5, this series that I've been calling Untwisted. Being overrun by evil is the ultimate calamity that can happen to human beings and nothing else comes close. Evil gets inside humans, and it claims our thoughts, it corrupts our desires, it corrodes our will for good. We become twisted and ruined and bent, and we vandalize the people and the world around us. Humans suffer with ingrained habits of sin ever since Genesis chapter 3. And because God is love and because God is righteous, God will not leave that alone. In fact, as we've been saying all along as the theme statement for this series, God loves to untwist what is twisted. That is the greatest offer a human being will ever receive, and nothing else comes close. One of the greatest weaknesses, though, of the Christian church in the Western world is that we have watered down the gospel to just going to heaven, which is part of it, no doubt. But it is also about becoming, in, in the words of C.S. Lewis, becoming many Christs in, in the world around us, to the people that we live with, to become disciples of Jesus and to live as he lived. Two quotes, first one from Richard Foster in a, a book that most of you have read, The Celebration of Discipline. Foster writes, superficiality is the curse of our age. The doctrine of instant satisfaction is a primary spiritual problem. The desperate need today is not for a greater number of intelligent people or gifted people, but deep people. Or to say maybe in our words, untwisted people. The greatest gift that you and I can give to the world is not necessarily going to be a quantity of money, but it is a quality of character, Christ's character, that is developed in us. The second quote comes from an unlikely source, William Faulkner, in a novel many of you have read, As I Lay Dying. There's a line in the, the book that goes, People to whom sin is just a matter of words... To them, salvation is just words, too. Not to downplay the battles that happen in our world today, but as human beings, our greatest battles are not going to be fought in D.C. or in any of the countries around this world. Our biggest battle is, is within our own human heart. And this is why God puts His Spirit in us. It is to untwist what has been twisted by sin in order to grow us into His character. And the way that, that Paul describes God's character in Galatians 5 to the church up in that region is to call it the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of walking with the Spirit is love and joy and peace. It's patience. It, it's kindness. It's goodness. It's faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Self-control we'll look at next week. Gentleness we'll look at this morning. 
The eighth kingdom of God virtue, or fruit of the Spirit, is gentleness. And in the Christian scriptures, there are two words, prautes and praus, which are translated as gentleness and gentle, and in some of the older translations as meekness and meek. There is, there's, in these, these Greek words, there are no that one word that kind of defines them by, by, by themselves. The definitions are large and it's the same with these two words. But if I were to give you a definition of gentleness, it would be this. Gentleness is strength under control. Gentleness is your strength under control. Or for a disciple of Jesus, gentleness is strength under God control. And the classic illustration of, of, of meekness or of gentleness is that of a horse that has been tamed. It has the same strength as a wild horse, but that strength has been harnessed. It is now under control, and that horse becomes useful. It's not reckless and wild as a wild horse might be. A a person who is is gentle is someone who is not abusing their their power to get what they want, but laying that power aside for the sake of others. And one of the things I hope that you've noticed as we've talked about these fruit of the Spirit is that all of these, whether it's love or peace or goodness or patience or whatever it might be, it is, it is for the sake of others. Think of, of Jesus on Palm Sunday. Jesus, in fulfilling this great prophecy, is coming into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday and the prophecy says, See, your King comes to you. And how... Does he come to us? What's the next word? Gentle. Gentle in riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The creator of the heavens and the earth and the savior of our world comes not in pomp and splendor, but in humility and lowliness. Gentleness is not a sign of weakness. Jesus is the most sensitive man who ever lived the most powerful human being who ever lived, and his gentleness was not a sign of weakness but of strength. It is the opposite. This kind of gentleness is the opposite of pride and human hubris. It is the opposite of contempt and disdain for other human beings and arrogance. It is is, um, a, a virtue that cuts across the grain of a culture that is comfortable with exhibitions of power to secure its will. As so many of us have experienced, the ladder to success for many people is built of human beings. We live in a culture where it's okay to run over people. And there is this, this place in the Hebrew Scriptures where Isaiah speaks of this special servant of God who's going to come into the world and be blessed by God and represent God and change the world. And in Isaiah chapter 42, Isaiah speaking for God says, Here's my servant, this special servant, whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him. He will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break. A smoldering wick he will not snuff out. But in faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. And it's in his teaching the islands will put their hope. And so here's this character that Isaiah 
is describing with God's words of this, of this person who's going to come and be a just person and establish justice. And his teaching is going to be so profound that even people in the most remote regions of the world, to his Hebrew mind, it is the islands are going to be drawn to it. This is the one in whom God delights, that God puts his spirit on, and he describes him this way. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. And you know as well as I do that the special servant in Isaiah 42 in Matthew chapter 12 turns out to be Jesus. In that chapter, the crowds are chasing after him. He's teaching, he's healing them, he's bringing wholeness to them. A bruised reed he will not break. And a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. So who are these bruised reeds? Now, a bruised reed is a person who looks fine on the outside. I mean, this is the way we operate, so many of us, most of the time, right? We spend a lot of money, we expend a lot of energy trying to convince other people that we're okay. And so we find ourselves, who are these you know, people that look like strong reeds that can become a staff, somebody that you can lean on, but on the inside, they're really bruised. They're bruised in places where you cannot see it, and to place a burden on them or to treat them roughly would just break them in two. A smoldering wick. I happen to be blessed to live in a house where my wife likes to burn candles. And from time to time, they'll burn down, they'll begin to smolder. And it's sort of irritating, that the, the smell of a smoldering candle, right? To the nose and to the eyes. And the only thing that you want to do is get to a window after you snuff it out, open up the window, and clear the irritant out of the house. People can be like that. People can be irritating. People that, that, that seem to to just, when you're around them, they want to take and to take, and they just expect you to give and to give, or, or they, they have annoying habits. You, you know, you get the, the picture. And somehow they're irritating. And our human nature wants to, to just snuff out that irritant, to rush over, clear the irritant out of the house. But that's not the Jesus way. A bruised reed and a smoldering wick. Jesus does not break that bruised reed nor snuff out the smoldering wick. And this is why people flock to him like sheep to a shepherd. Gentleness, gentleness is not just a single act. It becomes an attribute. It's what people see in you. And when you develop gentleness in your life, it's like you become a living invitation for people to be able to approach you and to relax. When gentleness is a virtue that you have developed in your, in your heart and it begins to be manifested in what you do, you become this, this two-legged invitation to approach and to relax. Big idea for us this morning is this, that the Jesus way is the gentle way. You want to tweet something out? Tweet that. The Jesus way is the gentle way. And it is the same gentleness that God is developing in you and me. That gentleness, friends, is a sign that the monster in you has been destroyed and replaced by the character of God. And in a world that, that can be extremely violent and mean, 
And we're even entertained by the kinds of movies that show that, that kind of ungentleness, that kind of violence, and, and we're entertained by it. Uh, the, the degrees in which we can be bullied, not just face-to-face, but cybernetically, that gentleness that we develop as disciples of Jesus becomes a sign of something really special, like a beacon of light in, in, this, in this community. My son turned me on to a podcast uh, yesterday that I listened to, and it was one of those podcasts where a guy's interviewing a guy who quotes a guy who's quoting a guy who's quoting another guy. I don't even know who said this. But the sto- it's not original with me, but it, it's a question. And the question is, what does a carrot, an egg, and a coffee bean have in common? The answer is hot water. You put a carrot in hot water, and what happens? It gets soft, and it shrivels, and it, it, gets, it, you know, it, it, it becomes uh, weak. You put an egg in hot water, and it becomes hard. But what happens when you put a coffee bean in hot water? It transforms its context. It makes that water something beautiful. And when we begin to really get serious about developing the gentleness of Jesus in our life, a bruised reed we will not break, a smoldering wick we will not snuff out, there are two things, at least two, that begin to happen. Number one, know that, that, that gentleness calms conflicts. Have you noticed how quickly people will weaponize their words and the tone of their voice? Patience seems to have gone out the window over the last ten months. And one person will raise their voice, and what happens? Responding kind. person being yelled at begins to raise their voice, and the next thing you know, you have two people who are screaming at, at, at each other, and nobody wants to listen. They just want to win. Proverbs 15 says, a gentle answer, a gentle, gentle, gentle answer turns away wrath. Harsh words stirs up anger, but a gentle answer turns away wrath. As minister to church, practical advice for this week. When somebody raises their voice at you, lower yours. They want to scream at you, whisper. Somebody wants to yell at you, lower your voice. In fact, listen to what Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2. He says, the Lord's servant. Who's the, raise your hand if you're the Lord's servant. We're Lord's servant. The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone. Able to teach, not resentful. Basically what Paul is saying is if you're a disciple of Jesus, if you're a Lord, the Lord's servant, you do not enter into quarrels but opponents must be gently gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance leading them to a knowledge of the truth and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will why fight John Hossman I, I did not know profoundly the father of Jeff Hossman. He's a principal. He's a member of this church for a lot of years, he, he and his family. And for a number of years, he was a principal uh, over here at, at um, Garner Middle School. And, you know, as a principal, one of the things that happens is you get phone calls from time to time where people are just super angry with you. And you answer the phone, and people immediately launch and start, start yelling at you. 
Well, John Hosman was a mature disciple of Jesus, and he would he'd get a phone call like that, and at his funeral, I heard the story of him getting one of those phone calls where a person's just starting to yell at him and, and not taking a breath, and he's listening to it, and at, when there's a kind of a pause in the yelling at him, he says to the person on the phone, excuse me, but I'm going to lay this phone down on my desk for about 45 minutes, and then I'll pick it up again. Diffused it. It was him being gentle. The more we develop the fruit of gentleness in our life, the less inclined we are to enter into a conflict. Uh, a professor at college that I was a grad student for, Paul Faulkner, used to say, never get into a puking contest with a buzzard. You'll lose every time. That doesn't mean that you can't have differences of opinion or that you can have a different belief, but they are not to be expressed in a way that creates conflict. And then number two, this will be the last thing we talk about this morning, gentleness makes your faith believable. Every day you live, there are eyes on your life, and your life may be the only Bible that some people read. You're being watched how you handle stress, how you handle setbacks, how you handle disappointments and frustrations, how you handle criticisms, how you handle attacks. And if people like what they see, they will listen to what you say. This was the advice of Peter as a church was going into a period of tough times and adversity. He said to the church, if in your hearts revere or sanctify or, or make Jesus the Christ special as Lord. And always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you. If they like what they see, they will listen to what you say, to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with what? But do it how? Gentleness and with respect. And so I want to give you an assignment this week. I, I want you, there are basically three groups of people that you're going to encounter this week where gentleness is going to make a huge difference in their life. The first, the people who disagree with you. Be gentle. When they disagree, and if they start to yell, lower your voice. But be gentle with the people who disagree with you. Number two, the people who disappoint you. Each week you run into people or have people in your life who, although they may not want to, they're going to disappoint you in one way or another. Be gentle. And the third group, the people who depend on you. Spouse, children, parents, employees, whoever it might be. But be gentle with the people who disagree with you, who disappoint you, the people who depend on you. You know, one of the most important things that Jesus said to us as humans is found in the middle of Matthew's Gospel. Paul read it just a minute ago. He's talking to people who are just burdened, not only the presence of the Roman Empire on top of them like an anvil, but a religious system that has just trussed them up where they couldn't breathe. And he, and, and he says to them, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am, Jesus says, I am gentle. 
and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. To the broken and the bruised, he says, I will not break you, but make you. To the smoldering wick, he says, I will not snuff you out. To the ones who are staggered by the evil in them, he says, I will forgive you beyond your belief. To the ones who say that they've got too many problems that could never be solved, he says, I have power. To the ones who feel their losses more than anything else, he says, I've got a joy that will go deeper than all of the cuts. To the ones who say, I've got no place to go, he says, come. To the ones in confusion, he says, there is a wisdom that will bring clarity. And to the ones weary of the burdens they carry, he says, I will give you rest and I will help you carry your burden. And to everyone and anyone, Jesus says, I am gentle and humble in heart. And he says, come, let's stand and sing.